Greetings, Team Ajulam. Karibuni sana tena. So, today we will be taking a short break from doing any type of series. I want us to be able to just do some one-off uh, messages uh, for the next couple of weeks. Well, until further notice, until the Lord gives us the inspiration for a new series. But until then, we're going to be doing just one-off sermons, um, one-off messages that I want to be able to share with you guys things that God has put on my heart to share with you. In, in non-series <laughs> But I'm sure we'll probably get into some type of series at some point. But for now, we're just going to do one-off uh, messages. Sour, sour, ain't no thing, ain't no thing, ain't no thing but a chicken wing. Now, today... I want us to be able to talk about something that has been on my mind and my heart actually throughout the whole time we've been doing the Daniel series. It's something that really stood out to me from the Daniel series that I've been wanting to really have a conversation about. And the thing that I want us to talk about today is on the topic of faith friends. Faith friends. Are we together? Say it with me. Faith friends. Yes. Now, one of the things that you will notice um, if you've been, if you've watched the Daniel series, is that, and I'd encourage you to do so if you haven't, is that one of the things that you realize from the book of Daniel is how Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood firm together in their faith. They were a collective, right? They were they were boys, you know, doing this whole faith journey together. And then, and when you read the book of Daniel, you begin, to, you also see the amount of great exploits that they did together as friends, and. If you look at, for example, in Daniel chapter 1, you remember the time when there was this whole kind of crisis that was... No, actually, no. That was chapter 2. In Daniel chapter 1, if you remember, they, 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 these guys, you know, together stood firm in their conviction not to defile themselves with the king's food. Do you guys remember that? In Daniel chapter 1, where they were like, yo, like, give us vegetables, you know, and it says that together that they did this thing and they, they had this conviction um, together not to defile themselves. This was in Daniel chapter 1. In chapter 2 is where we see where they are facing tremendous danger, right? And it says from verse 17 to 19, if you remember in chapter, remember in chapter 2 when the, the king had a dream and he said he was going to kill everyone, all of the wise men, including Daniel and his friends, um, unless they were able to come up with what it is that he had dreamt and the interpretation of it. And so he had already decided that he's going to kill everyone because the wise men are not able to do it. And if you remember, in verse 17 to 19, it says, Then Daniel returned to his house. This is after he had heard that they were going to be killed. To his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Right? And so when in trouble, what Daniel did in that situation, when he heard about the trouble that they were in, he went and turned to his friends for help. And he's like, yo, my guys, we need to pray, brah. We all need to pray here because we are in a situation. We're in a difficult situation and we need to pray together. In chapter 3, we see how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were facing literally an incredibly daunting moment that risked their very lives. Like literally their lives were on the line. They stood firm in their faith together. They stood together. While Ismama Famoja, they are like, yo man, us, we're not going to do this thing. And they stood firm together. Now the reason why this, stood, uh, this stands out to me 
Um, and, and, and I've talked about this before, about faith, friends. We've talked about this before. But I feel so strongly that we need to discuss this yet again. We need to talk about this yet again because I want you to understand that it is incredibly important for you that if you want to be able to maintain a healthy faith, if you want to be the type of person who is maintaining a healthy faith, growing in your faith, you will need to understand this major key that it is incredibly difficult for you to walk this journey of faith without faith, friends. It's, it's, it's very difficult. The journey of faith, the journey of Christianity was never meant to be a solo mission. This has always been a collective. <laughs> we are a collective, right? And I remember how, uh, this was in 2019, I remember I preached a message on how the faith of friends can move mountains. And the scripture that we studied, which we've studied before, well, we haven't really studied this, but we have mentioned this many times before, but we will study it today yet again, right? Mark 2 from verse 1 to 5, which is something that I want us to look at today. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left for not even no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man has, was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Hallelujah. This is the word of the Lord. Now, here's what had happened. Jesus had arrived at his uh, chosen home in Capernaum. Jesus grew up in Nazareth, but the, the, the guys in Nazareth, the leaders there, chased him away. So now he made Capernaum his home. Now, it's prob most probably that the place where he was staying at this point in time, the home that they're probably talking about here, is most probably Peter's home. right? Because Peter also lived in Capernaum. So Capernaum was where, like, Peter, uh, same even Matthew, the tax collector, uh, the, the brothers, the John and uh, whatever, that's, they're from Capernaum. So, so it's most probable that the place that Jesus was preaching at this point in time and sleeping was in Peter's house, okay? So he comes there, and now at this point in time in his ministry, the guy's fame had really blown up because there were people who are literally coming from every single part. In fact, in Luke's version, it says that many came from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, meaning that guys were coming from all over surrounding towns and cities to come and see Jesus. Right? And also, not only just to see him and to hear him preach, but also to bring the sick and to bring those who needed to uh, receive healing and who needed to be to have demons cast out and so the time when the guy comes man the guy rocks up on the scene people have heard that he's here and so now a bunch of people come to see this great prophet right who can not only has great message and preaches with authority but he also is healing the sick and casting out demons right so they want to come and see this guy and so the thing is is that now most probably, like I said, he's inside Peter's home, right? And the place is packed, packed. So guys are packed inside. It's packed outside. 
Like, uku kume ja. You know what I mean? Because they're coming to see this guy. Right? Now, then in comes this story about this crew. Right? It's five guys with one of them paralyzed. Right? So four of them are carrying him on a mat. Right? And these guys pull up to the scene and they find that there's no way to be able to get to Jesus. Right? So they have these guys, four guys carrying their friend on a mat. Right? And they can't find a way in because there were just too many people. Right? Just too many people. And so now what these guys do, and I imagine, you know, in fact, even before I get to that, like I imagine in a situation like this, it would have been like, anyway, Jesus has arrived in Capernaum. He's here. I'm sure we can, Kesho, Pema. We wake up first thing. So you know, we know where he's staying. We wake up first thing in the morning, we go, right? Before anyone comes. So watch today, and yeah, Kumija, watch Kesho. Right? We'll come tomorrow instead. But then what happens is this, is that these guys, that wasn't their plan, right? That wasn't their plan, like, ah, you know, we'll come tomorrow. Their plan was, is that they're like, just so determined. They were so determined to see this friend of theirs healed that they're like, we need to find a plan of how we're going to get this guy to Jesus. We need to find a way to get to Jesus. And so what these guys decide, these brilliant homies, right? These crazy guys, they decide, let's climb the roof of this house. We cut a hole and we lower our paralyzed friend to Jesus. I mean, you know, first and foremost, this wasn't even their house. So <laughs> the fact that they're here deciding that they're going to climb the roof, and not only just climb the roof, but cut a hole in another guy's house because of their friend. I don't understand what level of determination this is that these guys had, but it was a lot, right? And I can just imagine them coming up with this plan and how, first and foremost, like, how difficult it would have been on top of that to carry this person first to the top of the roof, right? So first is just even just how they would carry this paralyzed person onto the top of the roof. But then also on top of that, the fact that they were willing to cut into this thing. It says that they dug up the roof. Right? So first, the amount of coordination to take to get the guy on top, but then also to just dig up a hole in another person's house is incredibly, incredibly just mind-blowing. Right? Almost in a sense, you'd think these guys were just completely crazy, but they would do such a thing. These guys were willing to do all of this so that their friend would be healed. And so it says that of these guys that they climbed up the home, they made an opening, they dug up an opening in the roof right above where Jesus was. Yes, right above where Jesus was. And what they did is that they lowered the mat with their friend on it towards Jesus. Now the Bible says that Jesus saw their faith. When he saw what? Their faith. Not the faith of the person who was on the mat, the paralyzed man. When he saw the faith of these friends that would not relent, that would not give up, that found a way to present their disabled friend before Jesus, when he saw their faith, it says that when he saw their faith, he healed the man. Their faith, their faith. My friends, the faith of friends can move mountains. This paralytic man was healed because of the faith of his friends. He received his miracle because his friends would not relent in their effort to present him before Jesus. 
Allow me to contrast this to another story in the Bible in John 5 from verse 1 to 9, which reads, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there was in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Now the thing that is so interesting is that this is another story of another paralytic. This guy had been a paralytic for 38 years. 38 years. So Jesus was passing by and he sees this man. And he knows that he has been in this condition for a long time. Right? He has been in this condition for a long time. This guy has been lying in this state for 38 years. And his fortune was that Jesus was walking by. There wasn't any crowded room here. Jesus was passing by, saw his condition, and was moved with compassion because of how long this man had been a paralytic. Now this guy, for 38 years, was near what was considered a miraculous pool called Bethsaida. An angel would pass by and the first person in the pool would receive healing. So Jesus comes up to this paralytic that had been sick for 38 years and asks him, Do you want to be healed? And he says to him, this is what the paralytic says to him, Sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. This guy who has been sick for 38 years says, I have no one to help me get in the pool when the water is stirred. This man languished in pain and misery for 38 years because he had no one to help him. It's so interesting why I contrast this because it's a story of two paralytics. One with friends who moved on his behalf, who literally went and did not wait until Jesus walked by. These guys went and climbed a roof of a crowded place dug a hole and lowered their friend towards Jesus so that he could be healed. And on this other end, we have this guy for 38 years all alone. No one to help him. And it was just by, his, by just literally sheer grace that Jesus was walking by and noticed that this guy had been ill for 38 years. In fact, even this guy, when you think about it, for 38 years, this guy has been in this misery. And when you think about it, like it was just by sheer grace that Jesus was walking by. And it was just the fact, in fact, it's so interesting because this is one of the miracles that you see where Jesus doesn't ask this person, do you believe that I can heal you? This was one of the things where the guy wasn't even expecting a miracle from Jesus Christ. But he received it anyway because Jesus had compassion for him because he had been sick for 38 years. 38 whole years this guy has been sick. The thing is that what we witness 
when we read the book of Daniel and the story of the paralytic and even in the early church, is that we need to understand the importance of having faith friends whom you can call upon to pray for you and friends who can, you, who can call on you to pray for them. This is such major keys. Because the thing is this, is that there are times like this paralytic where you will be paralyzed with grief, paralyzed with despair, paralyzed with depression, paralyzed with turmoil. And at that point, it is incredibly difficult to pray. Or you find it very difficult to believe, unable to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And it's in these situations like this where when you have faith friends, that they can pray for you in your time of need and vice versa. This is what helps us to overcome because Jesus sees their faith. He sees their faith. He sees their faith. And so it's either you're going to be in the situation where you're going to languish in this thing for years on end or being able to have friends that you can call upon and who can call upon you and can diligently present you before the Lord Jesus Christ. Because even though he may not see your faith, he will see their faith. The question is this, that if we were to find friends for whom we can agree, that we will not just be homies for good times or homies for just good conversations, that if we were able to commit to each other to be friends that would understand that Jesus is the one with the answers to all our problems as friends. And therefore, we would commit to pray for one another. You would be amazed at the things that God will do in your lives on account of that. You would be completely amazed at what God will do on account of that. You know, one thing that I find is that oftentimes, at least for me personally, I find it so much easier <laughs> To believe for others than I do for myself. I think I've mentioned this before. You know, when I pray for others, things happen. You know, every time I'm just like, I'll pray for you. I'm just like, it's going to happen. But for some reason, I seem to have more faith for others than I do for myself. <laughs> right? Most times, I view my friends with such, a, you know, such grace. I'm like, yeah, you can do this. So when I'm praying for them, it's just like, yo, it's going to happen. And it does. And then they'll come and they'll be like, man, you know your prayers, whatever. Because it's just like, I just seem to have more faith for others than I do for myself, right? So while they're, like in the sense that while their faith is hindered, mine is, mine is like active. But the thing is, is that the same is, is possible in, the, in vice versa, where that, I, that the faith of others many times will oftentimes be more than the faith you have for yourself. The faith others have for you will be more than what you have for yourself right now to be able to go before God and believe that God will do something for you, right? And I think it's no coincidence that God has made it this way, considering how much he implores us to love one another, how much he's always encouraging us to love one another, commanding us to love one another. And the thing is that this is one of the ways in which we are able to love one another is to do like what these guys did, like this guy, the paralytic and his friends, is do the thing where we literally, with great diligence, carry each other to Jesus. It's almost, in a sense, what I consider to be borrowed faith. If you're not able to believe, your friends can believe on your behalf. 
you can borrow each other's faith. Eh? Okay, I need to borrow some, <laughs> some faith from you. You can borrow each other's faith. And the thing is that what this does is that it fosters fellowship. It fosters community. And it does the very thing that Jesus Christ said that we ought to do, which is to love one another. This is the beauty of all this. That God, through this story, through this message, is encouraging us to develop community. He's saying to us that we need each other. That when we are paralyzed with fear, with doubt, and every other challenge, that we can lean on each other. That we can lean on friends to pray for us and lift us up before him and vice versa. That when our friends are down and faithless, that we can step up and carry them before God. And that God will hear us. That he will hear our faith for each other. That he will honor the faith that we have for one another. That he will listen to when he saw their faith. That he will see our faith and he will respond. Now the question is this. When you look at your circle. Do you have friends that pray for you and vice versa? That in the same way that we diligently gather and we form things for committee for Nini, for helping one another for, you know, anything. Whether it's we're going to do a chama, we're going to do an investment group, we're going to do all these things that we, we're going to hang out and do all these things. The thing that I want to ask you today, do you have a circle of friends for whom you intentionally come together with the intention to be able to intimately share and confide with one another for the purpose of being able to diligently pray for one another. This obviously will require vulnerability and require you to be diligent in prayer for each other. But the thing that I want you to understand and I want to assure you is that you will be amazed at the mountains God will move. When you understand this very important thing that God is teaching us today. Why it's important to have faith friends. People that you can pray with. People who can, you can pray for and can pray for you. That you're able in any situation to be like, hey guys, activate your faith friends and be like, need prayer in this, need prayer in that, all of that. But the thing that is so unfortunate is that for many of us, or for some of us, we are like the paralytic that suffered for 38 years. We suffer alone. In spite of all the faith you have, you're still paralyzed with fear, anxiety, depression, insecurity, all these things. And this is especially true for, for especially guys, for men. Where we don't talk. Where we don't, we, don't, we don't intentionally confide in one another. To the extent where we can carry one another's burdens in prayer. There are many men who are paralyzed and alone. What I want you to realize today is that the faith of friends can move mountains and can help us to overcome great, great obstacles because Jesus sees their faith. Jesus sees our faith. Some of us are here. Some of us are in the places that we are because of the prayers of our parents, the prayers of our grandparents or even great-grandparents. You know, I personally come from a family of faith. And the thing that is so beautiful is that I do not take for granted that the reason why I'm here, in fact, the reason even, the fact that I have this gift of being able to teach 
or this whole desire to know God didn't just come from just like, oh, you know, it's just because you're, you know, you're so diligent. You no, know, it's, it's also the fact that you come from a lineage of generations of men and women who came before me and whose prayers I am living in, whose prayers I'm literally living in at this very moment. What God is saying to us today is that he wants us to develop relationships that will be focused on praying for one another. Our Father. Remember when you talked about in the prayer series where the hour is also the fact that this is the whole point about our Father, is that God expects us to come with others. Do not come alone in prayer. Get some friends to come into prayer with you. Be intentional about this and act on this word today. Act on this word today. I have so many friends for whom I can call upon to pray for me in any situation, and I'm so thankful for them. You know, I have, I have, I have, some, I have some who, are, who live far, some who are here, like all over the place. Some who would wake up. God would speak to them and, they'd, and, and, and they would wake up to pray for me in the middle of the night that they would pray for me. And I remember there's even one situation where there's a friend of mine who God woke up to pray for me. And they tell me how they were praying for me. And what they did not know is that at that very moment, that very moment when God was telling them to pray for me, at that time I was going through a very difficult time. And God saw and God knew that there were friends that I had. That he could go and wake up to be like, this guy, he needs, he's, he's, he's in a, he's in a, you need pray for him. Pray for this guy. And my friend carried me to Jesus like the paralytic and their friends. And many others as well. Many other friends who literally pray for me with such diligence. And it's such a beautiful thing to, to have. And I experienced so much blessing on account of those friends. So thank you all my friends who pray for me. Thank you so much. I pray for you as well. The, the thing that I want you to understand today is that Jesus sees their faith. He sees, the, he sees our faith. And so would you be intentional about being able to develop faith, friends? And the place for you to begin to do that is just go and first and foremost ask God Ask your heavenly father that you want faith friends if you don't have any. That you want faith friends. And if you do have faith friends, what I want you to be able to do is be intentional about saying that I want us to be guys who we can pray together. Meaning that I can send you prayer requests, you can send me prayer requests, and I'll, I commit to diligently pray for you. Would you do the same for me? And you we actually commit to doing just that. You know, part of the reason why we also decided to start um, that event that we're doing called Believer's Branch um, is simply because, you know, the reason for Believer's Branch is in a way for those who do not have faith friends to be able to come and meet faith friends, um, to be able to come and just meet people who are like-minded and we'll continue to have this event, um, continue doing this event because, you know, there are people meeting one another, people just being able to be like, we are like-minded, we are all believers, and the point is so that we can be able to do just this, to have faith, friends. It's major keys. And it's incredibly important for us to have faith, friends. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. 
Let us pray. Holy Father, I thank you so much for this word that you have given to us. Father, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for every single person that is listening, that you'd cause this word to stir up in them action, to be able to go and develop faith, friends. Father, I pray for those who do not have faith, friends, that you would be able, through your divine hand, to be able to connect them to like-minded people who believe in your name and whom, for whom that they all can be able to gather together and pray for one another. Father, I pray that this word would come alive and that you would help your people to be able to develop faith, friends. We commit this work before you because you're the God who is able to do all things. And we ask all this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Hey guys, thank you so much for watching. Listen, if this message blessed you, please be sure to share it with someone whom you love. Share it with a friend, a colleague, anyone. And then also, listen, support us. Support this ministry so that we can be able to make more dope content and be able to spread this message of the kingdom to as many people as possible. And then, make sure that you subscribe. Sawa, subscribe. Subscribe, wherever the button, subscribe, subscribe. God bless you guys.